Here they come! And welcome to episode 46 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Wade Burton to discuss Paul's snake ride in Dune. Greetings from the humongous, the Lord humongous, the warrior of the wasteland. The of rock and roller. Hello, Wade. G'day, mate. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Wade. I'm fine. Um, and very curious to what you've got, you've got to say about the film today, because th- <laughs> this was your choice, wasn't it? It was. It was. It's um, it's it's a movie that I've I've always been fascinated by. Um, it's it's not remotely a good movie. But it, it's a movie that I do enjoy and that is very close to being a good movie, I think, and, and could have been and um, is very flawed but still has moments of, of absolute genius in it. Um, maybe not so much the uh, <laughs> the scene we're talking about tonight, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just a very interesting creation. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's so much to talk about it, so much to talk about. It. Are, are, you a fan of, are you a fan of the, um, the, the, the original novel? That was the question I was going to ask you. Had you read the book first? Um, yes, I, you you had read it first. I did. I did. I've, I've actually got pulled out my original copy, um, and it's it's kind of a funny story how I got that. So I grew up in a little country town, and we had a video store there that pulled oh, triple duty. So it, it was a video rental store, but it also did had a little secondhand book section. Uh, and also had a little video ar- video game arcade, and to me that was just the, the the my three favorite things in the world. It was absolute heaven. This place called Zenith Video, and I, I opened up the, I opened up my paperback copy that my mum brought home for me one night. Uh, she'd gone up there to get some of her Mills and Boons or you know romantic novels, and I opened it up and there was a big Zenith Video stamp on the front, and oh god, it took me back. <laughs> so yeah, if nothing if nothing else about this episode, you've really taken me back to our Zenith Video, one of my uh. Yeah, one of my absolute favourite places as a kid. <laughs> okay, uh, the the novel I I I knew of its existence. Um, you know, I was a big science fiction you know literature fan, and I. But it, yep. it it was on the level of you know the Harry Harrison books, the Stainless Steel Rat, and things like that. And then yep. so you're looking along the shelf for a book to buy, and you see all these all these, and then you kind of come to Frank Herbert's Dune, and they were huge books. You know? yeah. <laughs> they were like telephone directory sized, and there was more than one of them. And it's like, and then yeah. you you pull it out, and it's like, oh, what's this? And you look on the back, and you start reading the blurb, and it's like, I don't understand any of the blurb. You know. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, you, you like the, it is a series, but the only one I really love is is the first one. Um, they go. He had a lot of interesting ideas, but um, the, the the I don't know if you've read all of them, and I have, and I, I enjoy them on a level. But they they go increasingly metaphysical and mm. um, quite odd and, and complicated, and 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 that they and yeah, they, they they are interesting. But the first one to me is just such a, a classic. It's a cracking read. It's a it's a brilliant piece of world building, and it's just I, I read it at least 
oh, at least every year or two, I'd say. I, I, I can just pick it up at any time. Like, it's one of those books I can pick up at random and just start reading and, and enjoy it. Mm. I've, I did read it. I did eventually buy it, you know, after I saw the film. Um, and you're right. Yeah. It, it, Gosh. I, I think I was too young. That's a funny way. That, that's the wrong order. I know. I know. <laughs> um, when the film came out, um, I hadn't seen Eraserhead uh, by that time, but I had seen The Elephant Man. So yeah. I, I and I was a massive fan of that film. Uh, it just yeah. blew me away. Um, it wasn't just the emotion of it, it, but it was the feel to it. It was that yeah. it's you know it's the trademark David Lynch um, strange unsettling feel he seems to yeah. do with anything he makes, doesn't he? Sure. I can I can imagine his uh the home movies he's made of his uh, children's birthday parties <laughs> are still pretty upsetting and uh, disturbing. <laughs> yeah, you don't share that round with her, uh, his children's <laughs> friends, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, after Elephant Man, I, I, was, I was very interested to see what he would do with Dune. I kind of knew it wouldn't be in the mould of Star Wars because of what he had yeah. done on Elephant Man. And I'm, 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 I don't know too much of the backstory of it. I don't know if the studio actually wanted Star Wars type, you know, uh, audiences. But, uh, you, you, you know, <clears throat> the making of Dune, you're... I'm sure you know, you know, that the, you, you had other versions that were going to be made yeah. before David Lynch got to it. So they kind of knew what they had on their hands. And I can't see anyone really thinking that, you know, whoever directed it, you're not going to get a Star Wars vibe to it, are you? No, and I don't, I don't think... I don't think they were necessarily going for that, and I was actually I actually read read a pretty interesting article. I'll I'll send it to you, and maybe you'll want to share it on the on the page. But um, the, it was basically a 2014 article, um, like a defense of the movie, saying this movie, you know, it, it is a cult classic for a reason, and it went through the things that are good about it, and it said it, and it called it the anti the anti Star Wars, and and that's kind of a good way to think about it. Like it's it's. Star Wars is fun, and and the you know the the darkest bits of Star Wars are about the happiest bits of this movie. It's <laughs> it's uh yeah, so it, it was a different, it was a totally different thing. And I think they, and the funny the funny link there is that uh, David Lynch was considered very seriously considered to direct Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and God knows what that would have turned out like. I mean, I I'd love to be able to to Rick and Morty watch that version of it from another another dimension because that would be that would be such a trip. I want to see a, a David Lynch Ewok. <laughs> oh God, that that definitely have teeth and maybe and maybe a pussy sores. Yeah, lot, well, there's lots of pussy sores in in this film for sure. Mm. Um, you know, um, I can remember when I first watched the film, a bit confused by it because I hadn't read the book, but I was very oh, impressed no. with. Sorry, it doesn't it doesn't help. Like no. honestly, it, it's. Of, like having read the book back to front, it's still a confusing movie, and that's 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 its biggest flaw. Like yeah. it doesn't make sense as a movie at in, in, at all. Like it's uh, it's one of those so, films yeah, when you're watching it, you're fully aware on some level that there's more to this, or that there are uh, editing problems, or there's you know that there's something going on which comes across in just the pacing of the film and the, yeah. just the feel to the film. And that's well, that's that's the the biggest issue with the movie is that he's so so the, the original rough cut that david lynch handed in was four hours long mm. and that's probably the length it needs to be to tell the story so obviously the the studio freaked out and went what the hell so they made all these cuts so they made it a shorter movie but then they made an incomprehensible movie that still feels long mm. so they they, they 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 got the worst of both worlds 
they, what they need, what needed obviously to be done um, was to make two movies to split it. And it's got a very clear split. This movie, it, it, I think it works very well. It makes sense. Like has, has you can watch it like completely uh, with no background to the, to the books or anything up until about halfway up until about when, uh, Paul and Jessica meet the Fremen, and then it then it really goes off the rails, and they they keep introducing new things, and oh, it's it's a complete mess. It's it, t- there's too much crammed in. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. But um, even though you, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it, it's like this isn't gelling, this isn't working. Visually, you know, the design of the film, the effects, um, yeah, just like Star Wars, the villains were so much more visually interesting than the good guys, weren't they? <laughs> Well, I mean, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, I mean, he is one of the greatest movie villains. I mean, hands down, top three. Mm. Vader, Baron Harkonnen, and oh, I can't even think of the other, but top two, because I can't even think of the third one off the top of my head. Like, he's so over-the-top repulsive and uh, just, it's just appalling. <laughs> it is. There's scenes with him that are really hard to watch, and that's the yeah. David Lynch unsettling disturbing body horror and uh yeah yeah even now i mean i i haven't i've got i've got you to thank for this way because i haven't seen this film since it was in cinema i never owned it on video i've never owned it on dvd and we i knew this show was coming up and i went to hmv and it was on uh, on blu-ray for like seven pounds okay so it's like well yeah okay then and and so i sat down and i haven't watched it for like 30 years or whatever and um and i sat down and yeah some of the stuff with the baron that's pretty strong stuff now in 2017 let alone you know 1985 or whenever it was you know it's like good grief you know yeah yeah pus um, <laughs> it's it's absolutely repulsive and i was watching um i was doing some uh, housework today and in the background i put on the uh, extended edition so i don't know if right. you've ever seen that and that's no. worth watching as well it's it doesn't make the movie any better but it, it's pretty interesting they had uh, quite a bit of extra stuff that uh does help out with the fremen scenes but uh <clears throat> pardon me uh, they i did notice they cut a lot of the Baron's worst bits and like almost all of the, uh, when his doctor's working with the steel pick, working on his, uh, space, uh, his space, uh, syphilis or whatever he's got. <laughs> and, um, and, and also the, the, the scene where the, not long after that, when that, uh, that <laughs> poor pathetic, uh, Harkonnen man is brought in and, and, well, the, and the Baron boy. goes, at, the pretty boy and the Baron pulls out his heart. Like that whole scene was taken out of the, uh, the uh, extended edi- oh, really? uh, edition. Yeah, yeah, they they really did sanitize. They even they went. You know what? There's no way we could show that stuff. But yeah, but it, it's in keeping with this vile person that's up on the screen. You know, I mean, y- it's so over the top. I mean, it's 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 the most least the least subtle villain of all time. I think there, there's there's literally a scene with him and uh raven when yeah. they're just having a, like a laughing competition they're just yeah. cackling at each other it's yeah, insane yeah, yeah. that you say the least they're alongside raven and harkonnen you've also got sting in there haven't you and uh, <laughs> he he it's almost like, like i'm watching a pantomime the the, the smirks that yeah. he's got on his face he is he, he is camping it up something chronic in that little codpiece thing that he's got as well I think I actually think he's really good for the role. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. No, that's the, what I mean. The, the character he plays is supposed to like so. Fade's supposed to be a a spoilt, arrogant psychopath, and 
I don't think Sting's that far. I don't think he's doing that much acting. I don't think he's that far <laughs> off that. <laughs> and he's got that that mad intensity. Like, he he, he, you know, he's just had that smirk and those eyes and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know the cod piece that that scene was he was supposed to be, originally it was they were planning to do that naked. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was all up for it as well, wasn't he? Sting, he he was up for it, but it was the studio that said uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he must be a competent man. Yeah. Must, so must so yeah, I mean so yeah, I mean the film on a visual level, you know, yeah. I think it's terrific, especially as I say, you know, the the the, the bad guy the bad guys i mean we haven't even yeah. talked about the navigators i mean that the, yeah. the, the navigators are just yeah. stunning um Car- even Carlo, now watching Carlo it on Blu-ray. yeah carlo ramboldi um you can't fault it even now i, I mean a lot of the it, it is to do with the fact i'm talking about the navigator in the tank not when you yep, see yep, the navigator yep. opening the stargate or whatever it is no. and that is a bit poor but when he's in that tank because you've got all that smoke in the tank and it's hiding you know whatever uh, devices are used to move him backwards and forwards, the track or the dolly, whatever's in there with him. You know, brilliant. And when you see the close-up of his, like, you know, rather um, suggestive mm. mouth moving, um, <laughs> you know, that works brilliantly I'm, as well. I'm, I'm glad it just it wasn't just me that was uh, thinking that, that I was feeling like a bit of a perv going, oh, that's a bit, uh, mm, okay. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, visually it's really good. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a bit of a jumble, isn't it? Definitely, and I, I think you nailed it when you said the uh, the scene when he's folding space looks a bit poor. A lot of the optical effects, hmm. the practical effects in general look really good, but a lot of the optical stuff looks a bit ropey. And and, and you're saying how you know it looks pretty good. It cost forty million dollars to make back in 1984. I mean that's a lot of money. So um, it's not all on the you know you don't see it all on the screen, but I think you know you can tell there was a lot of money behind it and. There's a certain richness to the, to the, especially the costume design, the set design. Well, some of those uh, sets are just immense, aren't they? Yeah. As you say, the design is terrific, and they're immense. And these are all practical, physical things that were built. You know, it's not like now when you watch any, you know, science fiction fantasy film, you go, oh, that's that's good. That was yeah. done in a computer. That's not really there. These things were there. You know, you walked into that set and you looked up, and it was that big. You know. <laughs> I mean that thing that the the navigator, that giant uh, steel tank that he comes in, mm. it's just massive. Yeah, and where is it now? The Did they just break it up and throw it away? I guess. Gosh, who knows? Who knows? I, I, that that is one of my favourite scenes. It's just the the navigator is great, but I love his uh the the other guys who come in with him and they're wearing those black rubber yeah. outfits and the with and their, their, their shaved heads <laughs> <laughs> and they, they they clean up behind them. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you know, you know what they're wearing those black, uh, those black rubber outfits. They were uh, vintage body bags. Mm. They were fireman ones or something. They, yeah, they, they yeah. got from a fire department or something. They, they, yeah. they found they found them in some old uh, firehouse. These old vintage, yeah. uh, you know, body bags from the forties. I'm like, God, what, what, a, what an insane thing to, to make a costume out of. But yeah, but it's in keeping with the film that insanity. Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Well. I think now's the time we're going to go and have a clip, okay? All right, mate. Let's do it. Lucille, it is time you become a sand rider and travel as a Fremen. Take the kiss we'll make her hook of our siege and ride as a leader of men. Two thumpers are planted. The worm may not surface for the first, he will rise for the second. 
I remember. When the worm approaches, you must be utterly still and close enough to plant the hook firmly under a ring segment. The worm will turn to lift this exposed area as far from the abrasive sand as possible and it will take you with it to the top. Right, so our sequence, it starts, uh, Paul's out there with the, uh, is it Freeman or Fremen? I've always said Fremen. I would I, I would have thought it would have had a double E if it was Freeman, mm. but I've always said Fremen. Yeah, it's the Fremen, yeah. And they're out outside because he's got to conquer the Great Worm, hasn't he? That's it. It's like the, uh, it's like the rite of passage to become like a full-fledged mm. warrior. I mean, before that point in the, the, in the movie, in the movie and in the book, he is already accepted as being this great savior, this, uh, um, but it, it, until he does that, it's, it's like being, you know, if you're some real tough guy, but, um, you know, everyone thinks you, you, you're this, you know, big warrior, but then your mum has to drive you around. Like until you can, <laughs> until you can drive your own worm around, get around uh, Arrakis, you know, you're not a real man. I've now got an image of him riding this worm with L plates on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's why they have, that's why they have to get all the other people up there. You have to have like a, a qualified uh, worm driver with him. There you go. Right. 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 Part of the mystery of, of this film has been solved again. All right. Ah, easy. Tick. All right. Okay. So he walks out onto the dunes. You've got all the other uh, folk there standing in a line and he walks out onto the dunes and he puts down this thumper to attract the worm. Yeah, yeah, it's a. They they make it. It's a bit contradictory. Like, I I sort of accepted it just as a matter of course when I read the book. But when you watch the movie and you see the scale of the actual worm, so you know it's got it's got a certain internal logic. So you put this uh, thumper down. It's got a mechanical device that goes boom, 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 and the the worm reacts to that and comes and and you know attacks it. And these you know the fremen basically would just hide off to the side and then uh, you know. Put put a put a, a a metal staff in the side of it and and, ir- and basically open up its uh its scale and and ride the worm up, but then you see earlier on when the worms come up from underground and and engulf these huge um uh spice miners, it wouldn't take much to get that wrong, hmm. for the worm to just come up and go boom eat you. Well, this is this is what I was just about to say. They they've got this as you absolutely say earlier in the film. It comes up and it gets the the vehicle thing opens up swallows it the thumper he should come up where the thumper is but he doesn't he comes some way off because they are so massive and so huge and we get this uh, long shot of him coming up in slow motion with all the sand coming away he's not coming up where the thumper is if he come up where the thumper is he would get the thumper he would get paul and he would get everybody who's standing what 10 feet away (laughs) you know yeah definitely but it doesn't matter. I mean, it is terrific when he comes up and, you know, you ha- as I say, you have got this long shot and it and it's in slow motion. So the, yeah. the, the, the sand just very slowly falls away and you don't properly see him to begin with, do you? No, no. And no, it's it's they, they they do slowly overuse all the all the sand and the haze in the movie. Like it is quite a quite a murky looking movie. And, you know, obviously there's going to be an aspect of that. But. Um, you know, you think of the Tatooine scenes from 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 Star Wars, and how I, I've always loved the you know the bright sunlight and the the blue sky and the, uh, the the sand. But he definitely went for a more of a more of a, almost like a Martian feel, like very yeah. very red planet. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, but that is a terrific shot when he comes up. Unfortunately, we've now got to in, interact the the model work of the worm with the live action. 
Yeah. Um, the first one's not too bad. You've got Paul. He's running uh, along yeah. its side. Um, and and it looks, obvious... you can see but the worm about, like, you know, about maybe 20 metres of worm above him, like yeah. quite a large chunk yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, and that's not too bad because, you know, it's a practical effect. They've they've built the side of a worm. It's running on a track, and uh, you've got old Kyle running alongside. Um, oh, okay, sorry. You're talking about the, the tighter shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, sorry, the, the, yeah. the tighter shot, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he runs alongside, and he's got that tool thing, and he puts it uh, in the armour plate. That's not a tool. That's a maker hook. Thank you. Okay. You're, see, see, you're the fan, and I'm not. <laughs> okay. So that, again, fine. Everything's working. You know, it's yep. practical. It's happening in camera. Everything's fine. But then you've got that god-awful shot of Paul rising up. <laughs> and it's what you were saying earlier. Alone, they look fine. But when you're doing the opticals, that's yep. when it falls apart. And blimey, that is bad. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's always funny whenever they show like like a uh, tiny people as some um, special effects. Uh, I, I do remember. Do you remember? Uh, just change change the subject slightly. But in the Phantom Menace, when I saw that, and I remember sitting watching it in the cinema, and my heart was sort of sinking. And there's a scene when uh, Obi Wan and uh, Qui Gon are trying to escape from the uh, the ship they're on right at the beginning, where the 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 um, negotiations go wrong. And there's a little scene where you see these two little things, two little people just jump down. And I remember looking at it going, that looks shit. Like, what are you, what? There's some, it must be something about that particular scale. Like, they couldn't do it in June, but, I mean, Lucasfilm couldn't do it 20 years later either. No, no. Yeah, I think there's just something about it. It just blows any sort of illusion, doesn't it? It's like they're really trying hard to, to give a sense of scale. Like, oh, look how small the person is and how big this is. But it, it just looks a bit, um, it, it looks very like like little toys. Like, doesn't yeah, it does. Real at all. It does. Okay, well, he, he, he manages to get to the top. Um, we see him up there, and he's attaching the ropes. Um, we don't see much of the worm here, because the worm is just so massive. If, 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 if you're up close to Paul, you're not going to see much of the worm. you just basically got a bit of its... Well, it hasn't yeah. got a back, it's a worm. So uh, a bit of the worm and, and, you know, just the sky in the background. Uh, yeah. You see later on, like... like he's a bit closer to the front of the worm than I would have thought he was. Mm. He, he sort of, he, it's almost like a horse later on when he pulls the reins and the front of the worm kind of rears up and it's like, what? No, come on. Right. Again, th these, these worms are so massive. I can't, I'm, I mean, when he puts, what's it called? That tall thing? The maker hook. So yeah. the worm, the worm is called a maker. The, the Fremen right. call it a maker. Oh, they've right. got all sorts of names. So the hook is called, a. that's why it's called a maker hook. When he shoves the maker hook into that armor plate, you hear like a roar of pain from yeah. the worm when he does it. But these worms yeah. are chuffing huge. That <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't hurt. That that, yeah. that wouldn't I mean, hurt him. And how can we're getting ahead of, uh, of ourselves a yeah. bit here? But when he pulls on the reins, how can he do that? He's not that strong <laughs> to to pull the head up of yeah. this worm. And, and that that also that that particular scene that also betrays the scale because. He, he pulls it up and the head rears up. And it's like, well, the head should be massive. Like, yeah. And, and it sort of pulls up in front of him. And they're on about, like, what, a 10-meter wide section of worm there. And then the head comes up and it's, you know, tapers down to a point. But, uh, yeah, that, that, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It, it is rather, isn't it? Um, um, you've got, then got Everett McGill. He climbs on up, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, uh, I, was, when I, was, I was watching again today and he has got 
He's got the funniest accent in this movie. Next time you watch it, just listen to his accent. And, and he does this weird, um, he really enunciates some words. It's, uh, yeah, he's, he's funny. He's a, he's a funny character. I can't, I can't watch anything with Everett McGill in without thinking of Twin Peaks now. Because that oh, so indelibly sure. burns in my brain. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, if I, if I try, you know, watching Quest for Fire or something like that, and it's like, nope. <laughs> you know? yeah. I can't I believe mean, it's this. Full of, uh, I mean, him and Cole McLaughlin, you know, they're long-term uh, Lynch favourites. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he joins him, and, and that's when I'm taken out of the film because when he stands alongside Paul, and yeah. they like smile at each other. <laughs> you, you've got such a, it's such a queen like electric guitar yeah. piece of That's, music, you know? That nails it. Today, when I was listening to it and the guitar and I was listening to it, and there's something about it. It's like, what, what does that make me think of? A queen. That is 100%. It. That's Brian May wailing away, isn't it? That is Queen doing the should, Flash I mean, Gordon I mean, it soundtrack. Be. Yeah. It, yep. it's, it's a Flash I mean, it Gordon but it, it sounds so much like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, the, the motor, the music's by Toto, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the, it's yeah. So Toto, but then also there's the uh, Brian Eno did the um the the prophecy thing, that really haunting yeah. uh, tune. When I was watching the um extended edition today, I noticed they almost cut the um that prophecy theme out of the movie entirely, and I was like, you are idiots. That's the best. That's one of the. That's that's like I, I, that's on my uh that's on my uh you know music my phone i listen to it as music all the time on, on random yeah. rotation like it's such an amazing piece of music and they went eh, no nah, we're gonna get rid of that they cut out brian eno but they leave in toto <laughs> well i mean i don't know much toto did they do they africa did, they did africa that, didn't they that, that, that's so the that's only thing like, i know toto for <laughs> that's nothing like anything in this movie so yeah it's, I mean, oh. the the music is good. I think that that main June theme, that dun 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 dun, I think that's yeah. excellent. I think the music's really good. Yeah, but not this bit. <laughs> nah. No, but, um, it, but, it, but it, it is also kind of so bad. Like, I'm not one of those people who likes watching um, movies that are bad for a laugh or, you know, I'd rather just watch a good movie or, or I don't know, maybe that says something about my sense of humor, but I'm not – but this movie, that, that it is – this is the bad movie I do watch and that even the bad bits I do enjoy. And that's one of the bits when they're up there and they're smiling at each other and the, and the music's wailing away. It's like, it makes me chuckle every time. Like, Oh dear. And you can tell they're, they're going for such as a serious epic moment. And it's like, no, no <laughs> fail. Blown it. <laughs> well, that's pretty much almost, almost the sequence over. We've just got a, a really nice long shot of, of the worm and you can just see these two tiny little dots on the top which is a great shot but again it just reinforces the fact that these two little specks of creatures wouldn't be able to affect this worm in any way whatsoever no it's a bit of a stretch i mean they do they they, they've made two like little blowholes that he puts his uh his his ropes into when he's on top Mm. so it's almost suggesting that they're particularly sensitive bits or something but yeah it's it doesn't make any sense i mean the internal logic of of Riding the worm, I kind of like. Like, so the the opening, although okay, here's the thing. I think he opens the the segment of the worm on the wrong side. I think it's supposed to be on the frontward facing side because the whole point of it is it's supposed to be letting sand into the worm yes. and it irritates it, and then the worm rolls away and that, that that's how they get on top. So the worms, if you open the the, the backward facing segment, I mean, the sand's not really going in there. So no, yeah, no, okay. Right. Well, that's sequence over. <clears throat> so uh, let's go on to behind the scenes. Now, do you know much on behind the scenes? 
I know, I know a bit. I actually, um, I've, I don't know if you've, well, I, I don't think you're as big a fan of the movie as me, but I've got a uh, copy of this book called The Making of June, which no. I found in a, I found in a, uh, a charity shop. Oh God, maybe 20 years ago for a dollar. And it is fantastic. Like, you know, try and get a copy if you can. It's so good. So full of uh, insights and interviews and pictures and things I've never seen on the internet or anywhere else. Um, and it's it's kind of a bittersweet thing to read because it was made before the movie came out. So it's got this very hopeful tone that this is going to be this epic new science fiction, uh, you know, blockbuster. And, you know, everyone's so confident and uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, so many talented people worked on this movie and, you know, so, so much money was spent and, uh, and yeah, it really was a massive flop. I think over time it's become a bit of a cult classic, but yeah, it's a, it's not a good movie. No, 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 I haven't got that book. I used to have the Cinefix on it, but yeah. I, I, and I was hunting around for it to do some research for today and I, I can't find it. I've either lost it or I sold it. I can't believe I sold it, but no, it's no, it's not around. Um, <clears throat> before we go into behind the scenes, um, do you know much about, you know, the, the June that never was? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, I don't know how to pronounce it, Jorodowski, Jorodowski. Jor- Jodoreski, yes. Jodor- yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a fantastic documentary uh, about his attempt to make this. And it would have been, if it, if it had remotely uh, reached the screen remotely like his vision, it would have been probably one of the most extraordinary extraordinary movies of all time. Uh, it's His vision for that movie was absolutely insane. And the, there's, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Jorodowski's June is, is the name of the documentary. And it is fascinating, like, um, he, he was a madman. It was going to be like a seven-hour movie. Um, he had uh, uh, Salvador Dali involved. Yeah, uh, it was. It was. Yeah, it was just incredible. Just and the the if you do get a chance, go watch the doco. And he, they just go through some of the scenes and how he planned them. And he has this one scene that basically it's like a a, a fly through through the universe from 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 big to small or small to big. I can't remember. And it's yeah, it would have. It would have been amazing, but yeah, no studio was ever going to release it or pay I, for it. I do wonder, I mean, you know, if they had made it, I mean, you know, you had Mobius um, on the design side, you had HR Giga on the design yeah. side, and I'll put it on Facebook. His design of, of the worms is pretty nightmarish. Um, and you had... <laughs> I can't remember, but like, was Giga's uh, worms were they particularly phallic? <laughs> I mean, like you wouldn't have thought, does. would you? What, what are the chances <laughs> of <laughs> that? Um, yeah, Dan O'Bannon was going to oversee the effects, as you say. Salvador Dali was going to play the emperor. You know, you yep. had Orson Welles yep. as the Baron, Gloria Swanson as the Reverend Mother, and the music was going to be by Pink Floyd. Um, and of course, this is oh, all... that's right, Pink Floyd. Yeah, and this was all going to be like yeah early 70s mid 70s i do wonder if they had made this and they did release this what would have been the knock-on effect to things like star wars because you know when they made Mm. star wars science fiction had a bit of a bad reputation people weren't making science fiction films or if they did they 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 weren't exactly you know big i mean you had the likes of logan's run shortly before or the planet the apes films they weren't science fiction wasn't really being made and then star wars came along and you know turns everyone's heads around it's like oh science fiction can be fun can be a blockbuster can be great can be entertaining let's go and and star wars kick-started that all again but if this yeah. film had come out before that 
the reputation of science fiction could have gone on a different path, you know, and maybe Star Wars wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened, you know. But I, I honestly think if his version of it would have been um, as much of a psychedelic movie as a science fiction movie, and I think George Lucas was always going back to, you know, to his vision of childhood. So I don't know if it would have affected it that much. No, I'm thinking it, more, more that if, it, if, like you say, if they went the psychedelic trippy route and then George Lucas goes to Alan Ladd at 20th Century Fox and says, look, I want to do a modern version of Flash Gordon, yeah. maybe this version of June might have just soured, you know, the company's, the studio's, you know, taste for science fiction. And yeah. it might not have been accepted by Alan Ladd and therefore Star Wars might not have happened and therefore science fiction was just seen for X amount of years as a trippy, psychedelic, you know, yep. almost art house style of filmmaking rather than the family friendly blockbuster that route that it did become, if you see what I mean. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely because, I mean, uh, it would have been far more uh, similar to 2001 than Star mm. Wars. You know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, man. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a sliding doors moment. Yeah, indeed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen that documentary, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll have to track it down and have a look. Definitely. Well worth it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go back to what actually was produced. Um, <laughs> and what was produced was actually the effects were actually done at a place called Chur- Churubuso, I guess mm. you say, it, in Mexico. Um, Studios Churubusco. Thank you, Wade. <laughs> you dealt with that much better than I did. Um, as we said was, earlier, did, uh, did you read anything about the, the studios? It was actually uh, it's pretty interesting that they shot a movie down in Mexico anyway, and then part of that was because they needed a large, uh, you, know, you know, studio facility that wasn't too far away from um, a desert. Mm-hmm. So that was that was one of the main reasons they went there. But I was just looking through it and. It was in the mid in the eighties. It was a real bit of a hotbed for uh, big Hollywood movies down there. They shot, uh, well, they shoot there. Uh, Total Recall, Honey, I Shrunk yeah. the Kids, Hunt for Red October, Romancing mm. the Stone, Rambo: uh, First Blood Part Two, Conan the Destroyer. I mean, that's some some big movies. So it's kind of died off after that. It's still in you know still in it working to this day, but it's more focusing on uh, uh, Mexican uh, movies and television. But yeah, it was a yeah interesting place. It, it wasn't a new thing either. I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a teaser for episode 50 here, but uh, the Mexico studios are also responsible for Star Wars. Okay. Um, you'll have to stay tuned to episode 50 uh, hmm. okay. to, to, to find out the link. Okay. But yeah, right uh, it, it was happening still. Uh, or, or it was teaser. happening in the uh, mid 70s as well. All right. So anyway, we're in Mexico. The effects are being done there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. We've got uh, we've got Rambaldi and his team, as we say. They built the worms, um, and a guy by the name of Brian Smithies was overseeing all the miniature work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the longest snakes were twenty feet long, roughly, and they oh, yeah. were capable of opening their mouths, revealing all those fantastic snake. multiple rows of teeth inside. Yeah, that, that's a cool effect. That 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 looks that's that looks great. Like you can imagine something like that would be able to tear through rock and dirt and yeah. earth and yeah, it far more convincing than the worms in Tremors. I mean, I love Tremors. It's a <laughs> it, it's a great film, but uh, yeah, you don't really get the idea that they could actually go that fast through the ground with what they've got at the front of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, these these twenty foot long versions, they could uh, crane their bodies up and down and from side to side. Okay, yeah. so they were fully articulate, twenty foot long. <laughs> I don't know how many they made, but that takes up a lot of space. If you've got a twenty foot long worm, and then you've got all the cabling to actually make these things go up and down and left yeah. and right, you know. Yeah, and I and I know the uh, like uh, Rambaldi was very secretive about the mechanisms involved. Like it's it's kind of like his his li- his livelihood. So you know it was mm. very uh very old school in in that sense. Like he's all about keeping his uh trade secrets to himself. So I didn't yeah, find he, much informa- information about the internals of them, unfortunately. No, he was like that on Alien as well. He he yeah. was playing his cards very close to his chest there. Um, there was also a medium scale set of worms uh they were capable of some movements of the body but they couldn't open their mouths and then there was about half a dozen small worms which were only made for uh, the background action yeah uh, the worms ran on tracks uh just buried beneath the sand and they were pulled on cables you'd imagine like in a, in a modern version of this you might see a bit more of a uh and maybe they, they would definitely do it over the top but you know more of a sense of the worm almost going under and coming up like a like a dolphin almost like so going yes. under and coming up and skimming like that because it doesn't make sense for the worm to be just sort of crawling along on the top as much as they do see that that's when that happens it's like how is this working then if, you, if you're traveling by digesting sand yeah. you know um and squishing out the other end which is how a worm goes through the ground how can you travel on top without wiggling yeah. like mad you know <laughs> It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have looked so good if they were wiggling like a real worm, would they? That'd be quite upsetting. Yeah. Um, the tendons that are visible when Paul hooks the worms mm. uh, and puts the reins in. Uh, did you know they were made from condoms? Yes, which is quite appropriate. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Such a, such a phallic-looking uh, creature, but yeah. And 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 when he and when he the shot when he opens it up, they reckon they they only had one chance of that as well. Mm. Which because if they, when he did it, it rips all the tendons, but. Surely he could have done it again, just get some more condoms in there. But, yeah, apparently that was a, a one-shot and they got it, so it worked good. See, there's an alien connection there as well with Rambaldi because, yeah. um, of course, they use, they use condoms at the side of the alien's uh, jaw when his mouth opens up. The, yeah, uh, yeah. the tendons you see there, they're condoms. Yeah. They should have had a sponsored by, sponsored by <laughs> Durex along the side of the worm or something like that, you know. Well, I think, I think the Baron needed to be uh, wearing a few of those a bit earlier on before he got all diseased. I don't think he was wearing them, and that's how I come he got diseased. Mm. You know, mm. there's a warning for you, kids. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> like in Australia, on on our cigarette packets, we have uh, uh, these horrible pictures of like cancers and things yeah, to try and make. Yeah. And and they almost need the barren space on 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 condoms. Like use this, or you look like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's pretty much all I've got for behind the scenes. Have you got anything else? No, not really. I mean, the 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 the, the that tight scene when Paul's running next to the uh, the segment of the worm, that's getting pulled along by a truck. And the, the section, uh, I think it was about 15 feet long and about 12 feet high. It basically was barely bigger than the, the, the frame, the, the, of the, fr- the film frame that, it, that you could see. It, was, it basically f- fitted very snugly into it. So the, the cameraman had to be very, <laughs> very accurate because where they shot was surrounded by a freeway and there was a cinema right next, right next to it. It was, like, it was like in a car park surrounded by, you know, Mexico City. Um, so, yeah, he, you don't get a sense of that at all. So he, he, job well so, done for, for that fella. So if the camera just moved a little bit, you would either see, you know, a, a fast food place or something else. 
Definitely. I mean, I mean, literally. I think I think there was a um a, a cinema billboard like just out of frame that they had a few problems with. But yeah, and 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 on the and behind them was a like literally behind them maybe you know twenty thirty meters away was a was a freeway with cars zooming past. So would have been a weird weird thing to have seen on your on it, your commute. You reminded me of um, somebody said about you know they 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 went to Niagara Falls. And um, you think of Niagara Falls as this fantastic, beautiful place, and it is. But they said you can only take one shot because if if you look to the left or the right, you've got all the hotels and you've got all the hubbub there to cope with the tourists. Yeah. You know, if you if you if the cameraman turns round, you wouldn't believe you were in Niagara Falls. <laughs> that may be from the American side. I've actually been to Niagara Falls when uh, I was in Canada, and and the Canadians are very they're a bit smug about it because. It looks much nicer from their side, and, <laughs> and I think I think the American side is is not quite as nice, and they probably look over and like. So when you're in Canada, it's still very touristy, and behind you there's all sorts of stuff, but you can't see it. It's behind you, but over in America, they have to sort of look over and see all the the uh, Canadian uh, tacky uh, Blackpool esque uh, attractions. This morning, when I knew we were going to do this episode, I didn't think the word Blackpool would actually <laughs> come up when we're talking about June. <laughs> so, you know that I lived in the UK for about nearly five years, and um, I'd heard of Blackpool, and I knew it was tacky and horrible. And when we were living in Manchester, so not that far away, and one weekend, we were at a bit of a loose end. I was like, let's go to Blackpool. We know it's going to be rubbish. We lasted about two hours, and I went, this place is horrible it's just one of the it was one of the most depressing grimmest uh, unpleasant places i've ever been i was like this is what this is a tourist attraction what yeah. i can't not i i know i know i know i will never ever go there um oh. my wife you know you know we we visit the north of england um we might be going up to liverpool uh next year and um she's like oh yeah let's go it'll be a laugh and it's like no mm. it won't it won't because it really wasn't no it's just just horrible you've got real life barons i reckon if you, if you walk <laughs> all those pusses they're there you know i mean apologies to any listeners from blackpool yeah, but yeah. it was just it was just it really was depressing it was like and we were there quite early and maybe that was part of the problem so we got there sort of mid-morning and maybe it's at night and it, all the lights come on and stuff. But it was just walking around. It was just kind of and, – and and we parked maybe a block back from the, the, the promenade down the front. And to walk from there, like a block down to the front, you walk through all these uh, deserted, empty shops. And it was just – it was really quite grim. And then down the front was just like – it was just – it was depressing and tacky and not – it was – yeah, I was – and we lasted about an hour and a half and then – Gene was just looking at me, and I was trying to last it out because it was my idea to go there. So I didn't want to be the one like, oh, this sucks. I didn't want to admit it. She, she was looking at me going, you want to go? I'm like, yeah. As I say, I didn't think we'd be talking about Blackpool on a June episode. Uh, I love a good digression. All right. Well, I think that, that sums this show up. You digress away, anyone. Definitely. All right. Okay. So we're at uh, – we're we're at Blackpool, so let's get back on track. Um, rating from you then, Wade. Oh, I mean, it's made up of many components. Like you said, the 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 I, don't know, I wouldn't call them miniatures. The the model work is pretty good, but the you know the, the when the, when the actors get involved on there, it looks it looks it looks a bit naff and it it doesn't work good. Um, 
I'm, I'm gonna. I was gonna go five out of ten, but I'll give it an extra point for promoting safe sex. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it six out of ten. That's exactly what uh, I've got written down for myself as well. Um, wow. You know, the, the worm, the worms look great, but as you say, as soon as the humans get involved, as soon as you've got opticals involved, um, yeah. it all breaks down. So six out of ten, it is. I, I, the other scene I was thinking about doing was was to me when I was watching it today, it still looks bloody great. Is the um the 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 fight at the beginning when uh, uh Paul and Gurney are fighting and they've got the shields on? I think yeah. that still looks awesome. But yeah. It, yeah. People don't really mention this when they're talking about early CGI. They always talk about you know the is it the Geonosis planet in Star Trek Three? Um, yeah, you, you yeah. know that CGI thing, and they talk about that. But that's only like two years away from this one. Nobody really mentions the the, the body suits. Yeah, yeah, that body armor, the hologram type things. Yeah, no, that that still holds up. I think it's really good. See, I, I, don't, I didn't do any research into that, so I didn't even know that was CG. I assumed it was some sort of handmade optical sort of malarkey, but was that uh, was that CG? Yeah, I, I saw somewhere it is CG. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, it's it's a well for, for so early on. I mean, so much early CG ages so badly, and that still looks great. Yeah. I mean, the year before you had young Sherlock Holmes, and there's that awful thing where oh, the yeah. stained glass yeah. window night comes down, and it's just like <laughs> oh. Good grief. And yeah. this is a year later, and it's so much better. It's so much more oh. dynamic, you know. Um, yeah, no, really good. Yeah. Really good. So, so, I mean, it sums up the movie. It, it, it's such a mixed bag, but um, it, it, it is fascinating. Um, it, it's very – like, it's such a flawed movie, but it, it it's – it's it's so interesting. I mean, it's a it's a big budget David Lynch science fiction movie. I mean, that's insane. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the car. There's so much good stuff. The cast is great. I mean, it's a uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, um, yeah. Dean Stockwell, uh, Brad Dourif, who's one of my favourite. You know, uh, you know, character actors like. And of course, so, Freddie Jones as well. Freddie Jones. I, when I was looking, I, I'm glad to see he's he's still alive. He's still doing yeah. TV in the UK. He's still on the convention circuit as well. He, he might be at a uh, convention I'm going to next month. I'm hoping he can make it, you know, because oh. I want to meet him. <laughs> and that'd be funny. I mean, he's, um, his eyebrows now probably would match up to the uh, prosthetic eyebrows <laughs> he had in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's 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 a movie that I do have a, a soft spot for, and I, I no in no sense a good movie, but uh, a movie I do enjoy. Well, thanks for suggesting it, because I don't think I would have come up with this, and I certainly wouldn't have gone out and bought it. So uh, thanks for the opportunity to revisit it. I was pleasantly surprised by uh, how well it holds up, despite the the flaws in the editing and some of the opticals. Oh, excellent. Well, no, well that's, um, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that, mate. That, uh, that's good. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for today then, Wade. My pleasure. Thank you, mate. And we'll have you back soon, okay? Excellent. Cheers then. Bye-bye.